0: Chapter 9 of Plunkett of Tammany Hall A Series of Very Plain Talks on Very Practical Politics. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mike Vendetti. Plunkett of Tammany Hall A Series of Very Plain Talks on Very Practical Politics by George Washington Plunkett. Chapter 9 Reciprocity in Patronage. Whenever Tammany is whipped at the polls, the people set to predicting that the organization is going to smash. They say we can't get along without the officers, and that the district leaders are going to desert wholesale. That was what was said after the throwdowns in 1894 and 1901. But it didn't happen, did it? Not one big Tammany man deserted, and today the organization is stronger than ever. How was that? It was because Tammany has more than one string to its bow. I acknowledge that you can't keep an organization together without patronage. Men ain't in politics for nothing. They want to get something out of it. But there is more than one kind of patronage. We lost the public kind, or a greater part of it, in 1901, but Tammany has an immense private patronage that keeps things going when it gets a setback at the polls. Take me, for instance. When Lowe came in, some of my men lost public jobs. But I fixed them all right. I didn't know how many jobs I got for them on the surface and elevated railroads several hundred. I placed a lot more on public works done by contractors, and no Tammany man goes hungry in my district. Plunkett's okay on an application for a job is never turned down, for they all know that Plunkett and Tammany don't stay out long. See? Let me tell you, too, that I got jobs from Republicans in office, federal and otherwise. When Tammany's on top, I do good turns for the Republicans. When they're on top, they don't forget me. Me and the Republicans are enemies just one day in the year, Election Day then we fight tooth and nail. The rest of the time, it's live and let live with us. On election day, I try to pile up as big a majority as I can against George Wanamaker, the Republican leader of the 15th. Any other day, George and I are the best of friends. I can go to him and say, "'George, I want you to place this friend of mine,' he says. "'All right, Senator, or vice versa.' You see, we differ on tariffs and currencies and all them things, but we agree on the main proposition that when a man works in politics, he should get something out of it. The politicians have got to stand together this way, or there wouldn't be any political parties in a short time. Civil service would gobble up everything. Politicians would be on the bum. The republic would fall, and soon there would be the cry of, le royal! The very thought of this civil service monster makes my blood boil. I have said it a lot of times already, but another instance of its awful work just occurs to me. Let me tell you a sad but true story. Last Wednesday, a line of carriages wound into Cavalry Cemetery. I was in one of them. It was the funeral of a young man from my district, a bright boy, that I had great hopes of. When he went to school, he was the most patriotic boy in the district. Nobody could sing the Star-Spangled Banner like him. Nobody was fond of waving a flag. And nobody shot off as many firecrackers on the Fourth of July. And when he grew up, he made up his mind to serve his country in one of the city's departments. There was no way of getting there without passing a civil service examination. Well... He went down to the Civil Service office and tackled the fool questions. I saw him the next day. It was Memorial Day. And soldiers were marching and flags flying and people cheering. Where was my young man? Standing on a corner, scowling at the whole show. When I asked him why he was so quiet, he laughed in a wild sort of way and said, What rot all this is! Just then a band came along playing Liberty. He laughed wild again and said, Liberty? Rats? I don't guess I need to make a long story of it. From the time that young man left the civil service office, he lost all patriotism. He didn't care no more for his country. He went to the dogs. He ain't the only one there's a gravestone over some bright young man's head for every one of them infernal civil service examinations. They are undermining the manhood of the nation and making the declaration of independence a farce. We need a new declaration of independence, independence of the whole fool civil service business. I mention all this now to show why it is that the politicians of two big parties help each other along, and why Tammany men are tolerably happy when not in power in the city. When we win, I won't let any deserving Republican in my neighborhood suffer from hunger or thirst, although, of course, I look out for my own people first. Now, I've never gone in for nonpartisan business, but I do think that all the leaders of the two parties should get together and make an open, nonpartisan fight against civil service their common enemy. They could keep up their quarrels about imperialism and free silver and high tariff. They don't count for much alongside of civil service, which strikes right at the root of the government. The time is fast coming when civil service or the politicians will have to go, and it will be here sooner than they expect if the politicians don't unite drop all them minor issues for a while and make a stand against the civil service flood that's sweepin over the country like them floods out west end of chapter 9